listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 19 on Ed Reach. Sid Meier disappoints. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, July 23rd, 2011. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. That's where Jerry would <laughs> fill in. So this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We'll give you the education angle on any type of games ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach, and we have a guest today, and my guest is... Lucas Gillespie. And tell us a little bit about yourself, Lucas. I'm Lucas Gillespie, Instructional Technology Coordinator for Pender County Schools, Southeastern North Carolina. And my name is Zach Gilbert. I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. Well, today we have Lucas Gillespie, and this is uh, our third third time on. I believe it is. Yeah. So we've been trying to hook up for the last few weeks. Uh, we're a little belated on our ISTE conversation. We wanted to talk right after ISTE and talk about a gaming viewpoint from the conference. And I guess I'm just... Right off the bat, I'm quite jealous that you were able to go, and it it's a, a little closer for you. Yeah, it, it was a great conference, um, and, and just a great opportunity to network with people. That's the best thing about it, too, is the opportunity just to, to chat face-to-face and, and have conversations. Uh, and the informal is where the real wearing's at. Oh, yeah, and just mm-hmm. sitting down, discussing, hooking up with new people, getting new ideas, that's that's a lot of fun, and I'm sure there were like many different ideas and many different angles uh, at this conference, which is, you know, what is the International Society for Technology and Education. Okay, so and this is basically the largest ed tech conference in, as far as I know, in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's it is definitely one of the largest, if not the largest. So give us some highlights from that conference. Well, you know, interestingly enough, one of, one of the highlights, at least for me, um, was um, actually took place the day before the conference, and it was EduBloggerCon. Um, and EduBloggerCon is run by Steve Hargadon of Classroom 2.0 um, uh, fame and, uh, <laughs> and uh, notoriety. But um, it is essentially, it basically it's an unconference format, so um, no set agenda until you arrive. Um, people went on a website called Collaborize and suggest um, topics for discussion. And then um, people attending go to that website and vote for their favorite topics. And then um, they take the top topics, organize them into a, uh, an agenda, and then everybody gathers around and really just has a discussion about a lot of different things. So, um, of course, I suggested... Uh, what video game, you know, what video games are, or how video games are impacting school, and um, what um, what we can learn from video games that we that we don't really do, or, or instructionally, um, pedagogically. So it was a great discussion. I had about 12, 13 folks um, join the discussion, and uh, we had some really good chat. Uh, but that's was the it? best. You know, Edge of LoggerCon is just great, I, and I recommend it's free too. So if you're in the area where, um, so I guess next year it'll be San Diego area. If you're in that area, don't have the funding to go to um, ISTE, but you can drive down or or fly down or whatever for a single day. Definitely check out Edge of LoggerCon next year. So was it was that discussion? Was that like preaching to the choir, or was there some uh, opposite <laughs> viewpoints? 
Um, interestingly enough, that that you mentioned preaching to the choir, one of one of my favorite uh, sayings, um, because I've I've just realized that we do that a lot in education lately, and the people that really need to hear what what we need to talk about. Um, you know, as far as education reform and changing the way that we do things in education, are not the people that are hearing um, these conversations. <laughs> uh, but yes, specifically in in that group, um, it, it was largely preaching to the choir. Um, there were a few folks there that it was sort of a, a new concept to them using uh, games, and, and of course, my big thing is using commercial off the shelf games. Right. Um, the games never designed for education and, and applying them to classroom uh, situations. So there was some good discussion there, um, and again, a good opportunity to network and meet folks, and just I, I really love the unconference format. And I, I really think that's that's the way of the future there because um, it really hits the need um, before you know without a predefined schedule. You know, the need for connection and networking and idea sharing. It was really cool. Um, other than that. Um, just you know, if you've never been to ISTE, um, you, you should go. The um, the sessions are great. You know, it, it's where a lot of the folks that you're probably following on Twitter and uh, the people that you're connected to, maybe even in Facebook and such, that's where they go. And um, and just an opportunity to meet them face to face. And it's it was cool to me that these people that I, I just really revere and, and esteem, you know, in, in my Twitter network, are very down to earth folks. Most of them are very approachable and. Uh, willing to chat, and some even recognize you from your, you know, your, <laughs> your Twitter avatar and things like that. And so, had some great discussions, and and just got to meet folks face to face, which was great. Um, aside from that, um, the vendor area is just about overwhelming. Um, the the size and scale of of the trade area. Uh, How long does it take to get through? Uh, we went through. Um, probably made it through everything in that particular portion of it uh, in about four four different trips in oh there, and, and you know at about I'd say probably four hours. Yeah, uh, you know, an hour at a time between sessions and things like that. Now, what's it? What would be interesting? Were there some big name developers? Like, were there any game developers there? Uh, promoting kind of the education angle of their of their product. Uh, that's a good good question. Um, big name. I guess Microsoft would be the closest. Um, Microsoft had an Xbox Connect um, okay. portion in in their big setup there. Um, they had a, a section set up for the Xbox Connect, and um, I, I don't know how much they were connecting it to classroom um, use, but but to some extent they were. Um, and other than that, that's about all I saw um, as far as like real big game developers. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you, you would think that some of those might try to jump on board, but it's probably out of their I, element. I, I think it is. I, I think it's still the idea of using at least the idea of using commercial games um, in in schools is just so far out there. So many people have not made that connection. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so serious games uh, and versus real games. I'm guessing you're <laughs> that's okay. our next topic. So, I'm guessing you're talking about over the uh, over the shelf, uh, off the shelf. Right. Well, that's 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 one of the things. One of my take home um, impressions. Um, there is a lot of talk right now about games and education, and um, and there were a, quite a few sessions, not as many as I would like to see. Um, and I think, 
um, I think our session on uh, using World of Warcraft in the classroom was so different um, to compared to the rest of the the topics related to games and education that were on the schedule. Um, well, except for um, 3D Game Lab, which I know you guys have talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Dolly was there, and she did a presentation on that, um, and and that was very different. But but overall, most of the game and education topics related to the the idea of what we call serious or educational games. And my take on when this actually emerged in that conversation at EduBloggerCon um, about that was um, I just I wish people wouldn't put serious or educational in front of the word games um, because to me it's a death nail. Um, it in the eyes of students, um, you know, most students if, if most of the things that I saw marketed as hey this is a game for education are very skill and drill and and very kind of cutesy math blaster reader rabbit types of things and <laughs> I you know I'm sorry but the, you know you can call that a game and yeah it might be fun and of course it's better than a worksheet but kids are going home in, after school and they're playing real games real in-depth involved graphically intense problem solving type games and so I think when we when we market to our students in the classroom and say, hey, we're going to play a game today, a video game, and they get all excited, and then you throw that at them, and I think we, we, they're going to get burned. And that further widens that gap that school is a place for learning only, and, and fun is what happens outside of school. And I think there's – That um, bothers me. Yeah. The, the, the kids are more sophisticated yeah. than the most teachers, than most – developers and you're right it's it's we're playing a game yeah okay this is really not the type of game that i play (laughs) there's a there's a disconnect between um what is defined as a game for students and what is defined as a game for teachers and developers yeah yeah because i think most teachers and developers at least in the educational series game arena think that um, you know, if I'm playing something and it's happening on a screen and it has game-like elements, then it's a video game. But I think I think students are more discerning than that, and and I think they they will break it down into their definition of what a good game is. And, and it doesn't mean not that a good game. It, yeah, it doesn't mean that those unsophisticated games can't be fun. Oh right, I agree. You know, because there's board games that I play, there's simulations that I play within the classroom. That the kids, you know, they're like, this is a lot of fun. And you would never, you'd never think that, you know, oh, here's a kid that goes and plays Call of Duty at home, could mm-hmm. play um, a game like Word on a Street, like, which is a basic word game, mm-hmm. or playing Scrabble. I, I'm surprised how many kids really get into uh, Words with Friends. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's a lot of fun. So I, I guess it depends. You need to know what your expectations are, mm-hmm. and, and you need to promote it to your students in, in the proper manner and I, not expect that this is the, the next best thing. I, I agree. And and I think that's uh, one of the, the people in the discussion at EduBloggerCon brought that very topic up, and um, and she said it well. She said, I don't when, – when, um, when I use a serious game or an – quote, educational game it, with my students, I don't market it as, as a video game, like in, at least not in right. the same sense as what they play when they go home, because I don't want them to be let down um, by it. Uh, and it, yeah, it's still, there's, and I'm not saying that there's not value and, and merit in these kinds of things, and I'm glad that people are pushing forward in this 
in this area because we need that. But what we we also need are um, we we need the big bugs in there, you know. And it's it's no wonder that these games aren't on par because they don't have the development dollars that EA or um, you know Bioware well. Uh, Mythic or well, Mythic's kind of out, but uh, <laughs> uh, oh, it makes me sad. Uh, but um, and, and like Microsoft has to put behind a game, so it's yeah. you know, it, it was just one, that was one of my take homes um, from that discussion is that we, we've got to be careful in how we market video games in the classroom to our kids because they know what real games are. And you know, it, it, every time we say it, and I say educational gaming, it, it's still it, it's like. You know, a father figure in the back of my head, Jim G, saying it's games and learning. It's games and learning. Yeah. You know, I could just hear him in there. And you know, the the more I, and more I think about it, the more and more, you know, I think he's right. And especially with our focus with what are we doing as teachers? It's it's all about the learning. Yeah. And what tools do we use to get there? And exactly. this is just one tool. Yeah. One tool. And and so that's you know that's kind of one of the areas that that I kind of market myself as, as, as someone who's investigating um, using commercial games for learning. Um, and, yeah, I'd like to see more of that. Um, there are folks out there who are doing it. I mean, you know, you, you've talked about using civilization and things like that, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's awesome. Man. We just need more people out there making those connections and, um, and talking about this. Stuff well, I'm really excited. Good. I'm really excited because in August I'm heading up to the Chicago area, and uh, Dan Rizek, who's with Ed Reach, uh, I'm going to his district, and they've bought 30, I think it's 30 licenses for Civilization Four. Awesome. And I'm going in there to help their soul studies teachers, middle school soul studies teachers, use the game in the classroom. So, and it's it's something that I've worked on for years, and it's something that is, I, I definitely think Civilization Four is a lot easier to connect to state standards, common core, than Civilization V. And I've oh, been, that's interesting. I've been playing Civilization V a lot more, but it, it is far more complex. It is, it's a very complex game, but the civics and the, uh, the core of the game and how civilizations are built is far more complex than Civilization IV. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, gonna, it's, I'm excited. I'm excited about heading up there and, and showing this to the... Social studies teachers up there, so that'll that'll be a lot of fun. I so can't wait some, to see how that turns out. That'll yeah, be and I want to. Well, I'm adding more and more to my content because you know I've been doing this for years, but teaching it to someone else <laughs> is far different than having my own content. And oh, I know where this goes. I know how this works out. But yeah, it's it's all about teaching and, yeah. and making sure that people understand. Just like what you're doing with World of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know you can have it set up your way, but when you start putting it out there for others to use, it's a whole different. You, different you have to, and it's challenging. I, I, that's something that I don't think teachers do enough, or we're not given the opportunity to do it enough. Um, is the idea of, of not only really engaging in instructional design um, because everything's so canned and pre-formatted, and 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 instructional design takes time too, which is something that is a such a commodity for teachers, um, but. The other thing is um, just um, not only doing engaging the instructional design process, but thinking, uh, even at, I guess maybe it's like at a metacognitive level, you know, thinking about um, 
the instruction as though you were teaching, you're training the trainers, that kind of mm-hmm. approach, um, and what that looks like. And it's mm-hmm. it's tough. Um, we've done we're doing some of that, of course, with um, the 3D Game Lab and the Teacher Camp coming up here in August. And um, it was tough thinking about how do you relay this um, to folks, especially if they're completely novice and have mm-hmm. no background, um, and how do you ease them in? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yep. that you can. But. Yeah, it's yeah. I've, I've noticed some of the uh, the people that have been jumping online to 3D Game Lab and, mm-hmm. and sharing their background, and yeah, there's a lot of novices out there. But there, it seems like they want to try this. They want to give it a, a shot and then and see if it works. And I I, I have to say I'm I'm very disappointed. Uh, I'm not going to be able to participate oh, in no. the 3D Game Lab. So it's uh-huh. it's a it's a funding issue. Uh, oh, yeah. It's yeah, my my much 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 better half is getting our masters, and oh, yeah. so the money, any money that we have, is going to to pay towards that. So I've I've contacted Lisa and such, and and told her that you know I'm still keeping an eye on it, but just funds right now is just not not going to work out. So yeah. I'll just have to wait until it goes out, gets out of beta. And then kind of <laughs> jump on and and see see how it goes. But I definitely will be keeping in contact with you and others mm-hmm. to to see the progress of what's going on. Yeah. So jumping back to what we have in our outline there. So there was something else that you saw at, at IST yeah. that was quite interesting. Yeah. So there are, there are quite a few sessions on um, getting students uh, engaged in in programming their own games. And the the biggest uh, platform, uh, at least as far as the, the amount of space it took up in the program and the number of sessions, uh, was on Kodu and XNA programming uh, for the Microsoft, Xbox, um, and of course Zune and, and Windows Phone 7 and things like that. Um, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I actually went to one of the sessions um, and let me see if I have the guy's name who did it, um, and I'm going to butcher it, I know. It was Pat Young Pratt. <laughs> Um, and I'll I'll post a link to his his website in the notes as well. He's got a lot of great resources on this topic, but has worked a lot with students and particularly noticed some interesting things with girls and getting girls involved and interested in continuing and advancing in um, their career technical education courses, particularly around programming and, and making that fun and exciting for them. Um, and he has found that gaming has done that, and game programming has been a real um, inroad for getting them into the class and getting them to continue into advanced levels. Um, so it was really neat to see that, and he showed us some examples of some of the basic Xbox-type games that students had created um, using the platform. It's very interesting. Um, and so that's something that I would love to find some teachers in my district who are doing um, the programming type courses at the, in career technical education that might offer that as a as an option to students. Well, I think what's interesting, especially with Kodu uh, and XNA, it's not. How do I say this? <laughs> it's kind of cutesy. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that makes it a little bit easier for the girls to digest. But I also think it's got the, um, the, the, the thinking, the complex thinking in creation that can get both boys and girls interested, whether it's cutesy or not. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's – and I've, I've been seeing a lot, a lot more teachers and districts that have been promoting Kodu. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I don't know what's been done lately. I don't know if it's just over time people have started to see a little bit more of it. It's gotten better. I don't know, but I, I'm seeing a lot more uh, a lot more people use it. 
Yeah. So that's that's good. Yeah, and I think it you know it, it's a good entry level. And if you have if you're working with students and you have a student who's particularly interested in gaming and has expressed some potential interest in um, maybe pursuing a career in programming and game programming, um, but you don't offer a, a formal course or any kind of club or something like that, then they, you could definitely point them in this direction. And as long as they have a, a computer, a Windows computer at home and, and or a, an Xbox 360, then they could begin exploring some of this stuff. Um, and of course I've, I mean, I've been in bookstores um, and looked on Amazon. There are tons of books out there for teens interested in game programming using X and A. So it's kind of neat. So how hard is it to get from uh, using X and A and dropping it onto your Xbox? Now, can you just have it? Is it just for you, or is there a process to get it out there for everybody to try? I'm pretty sure there's a process for getting it out there for everyone to try because I know that on Xbox, if you dig – uh, deep a little bit, and through the menus, you can get to the point where you can yeah. access independently developed games. You can see uh, those, but it's not everybody's. Right, and and so I'm not sure how, uh, because I, I don't have any experience with this, um, I'm not sure how you actually get to the point where you have either your game published and or can, can charge for it, um, much like you would an app in the App Store on, right. on iTunes, or, um, or even if you just want to you know, try your own game. How right. do you transfer from yeah. your your Windows environment to your Xbox? I would assume it would involve something like you know, flash drive or or some online storage or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm somewhat ignorant here of, of the ins and outs of this, but um, I am intrigued by it. Maybe sure. somebody else out there knows and yeah. can drop us a line and let us know what's uh, how to do that if they've had experience with that. Sure. Very cool. Well, along with the, the coding and uh, programming, uh, a friend of mine, Mark, sent me a uh, link to RPG Maker. And, you know, of course, I go to the website, and it's got this Japanese anime, of course, of course cutesy, you know, characters, actually more sophisticated, <laughs> you know, looking anime-type characters. But it's, it's more of like, uh, would you say, 8-bit, 16-bit? Uh, kind of old Zelda looking. Yeah, yeah, it does look like kind of like a classic Zelda style game. And it's uh, there's a trial version you can download, and you can buy it. And you said it was, I think six sixty dollars. I believe. Let's. I'm looking at the um, at the store right now, um, and it was looking like it's it's around sixty bucks. Yeah, right. sixty for the RPG Maker VX. <laughs> um, the XP, which says is per- perfect for beginners and alike, is thirty bucks, hmm. and then ID okay. Maker. I- I'll have to look through these to find out the differences between them. But anywhere from twenty to sixty bucks, depending yeah. on what you buy. So it's it kind of intrigues me that you know the cost because it seems kind of high, mm-hmm. but it, it has a lot of likes on Facebook. Yeah, uh, it's got a lot of. I'll have to read up a little bit more about it, but it does look quite interesting, and it does look like it has a lot of of details to where you can uh, customize and program what you want from creation of the maps all the way down to, I'm guessing, there's quests and such. So it, it does look quite interesting. So we just I, I wanted to that throw that some, one out there. Yeah, and I think that would have some real potential because, again, sometimes you know, as a teacher – you know, connecting this back to the classroom, I think what's important is really tapping into students' interests and passion. If you have kids in your classroom, um, and I'd say for for this, I'm just assuming for this system, you know, anywhere from you know middle school up to high school, 
who you, if you can assign a project and be somewhat open ended on the product. Um, so whether they do a scrapbook or they design a video game, this might be a good tool to look at because, um, you know, as you and I were talking before the show, I could take this and, and give it to a student and say, I want you to make a game, use this tool, um, but somehow incorporate everything you know about um, cellular division or everything you know about um, the early history of the United States. Make it into game, like quests within this game. Yeah. Um, and work it in. That would be really neat and a good way for students to demonstrate um, their learning and, and how they, you know, what they know about a topic. Yeah, it, it's like I said, I have to do a little bit more on this, but mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's got some. You could probably go from very simple to very complex um, creation. Yeah. So something else out there. So Kodu and then RPG Maker. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Bastion was released, I think, on Thursday. I have downloaded it. It's, it's 1,200, uh, you know, gamer points uh, on Microsoft, and uh, or Xbox points. What, what is it? Just called Xbox? What I think it it's Xbox points. Xbox points, or... yeah, something. <laughs> Whatever. It's it's their their coinage. Yeah, yeah. 12, it's 1,200. So I downloaded it. It was a little under 600 megabytes, which I thought was kind well, of that's... interesting too. Especially. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's not very big. That's, that's surprising. Nope, not very big at all. <laughs> Hello. No. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's not very big at all. And but the the graphics are just beautiful. So it's interesting how they were able to get such a small package to have something so pretty. So I'm going to be playing this. I, I started it. I got through a first the first few um, uh, little storylines and understanding the just the setup. How do I attack? What am I? What's what's the purpose of this? The the thing that really gets you sucked in is this narrator. And I told Lucas that this guy's going to have jobs for <laughs> for other things, you know, uh, probably commercials, movies, and such. He's just got a great voice. It's kind of like that James Earl Jones type of voice. And every action that you, most of the actions that you make within the game. He makes a comment on, so I don't know how many hours this guy or how many days he spent in the uh, recording voice, but his voice, it was just it was pretty wild. So I'm playing in this a little bit more. I just wanted to give an update, and then hopefully I'll play it enough. I'm going to send an email off to the uh, contact I had for Supergiant Games and and see if there's some way to get him on and, and discuss the game because it's it's becoming pretty big. It's... Uh, it's become a big seller already on Xbox Live Arcade. So, it's beautiful. I mean, it just looks so awesome. I'm, I'm very tempted to try it out myself. Very, yeah, very, very nice looking, and it's single player. Uh, I think they looked at doing a co-op or multiplayer of some sort, and just the coding just wasn't, it just wasn't working out the way they wanted. You know, if this takes off, I'm sure that they will probably be making others so mm-hmm. warner brothers grabbed onto this microsoft grabbed onto this this was just a small independent studio uh game you know pro group of programmers and it kind of blossomed very quickly so uh, that's I've, the cool thing about about this this kind of the, the fact that independent people can break into the market like this so cool well when you create something really good and it gets a lot of press and it gets a lot of accolades then, yes, big names will start saying, oh, this looks very nice. Maybe we want to capture onto it. Hopefully, they're going to keep to their 
to their goals of what they aspired for in the beginning and not get sucked in by these big conglomerates and saying, you need to change this, you need to do that. So hopefully they'll keep with it and and uh, keep that independent spirit going. So just wanted to give an update. Um, I'm gonna, Like I said, I'm going to play a little bit more this week. And then next week I can give a little bit better detailed review. Another game that dropped out there, um, we had... And you've you've looked at uh, Age of Empires, haven't you? Online, uh, just a little bit. Um, watched like the the demo video and things like that, but have not actually tried it. Okay, so yeah, Age of Empires is now online. It's one of those things that I think some of these developers they're creating PC based games, they're putting stuff on uh, the consoles, and now they're starting to create games that are going online. And I think it's probably the profit margin. They create their own website. They create their own game. They have total control of it, and they get 100% of the the money. So Steam, which is – I'm a big fan of Steam. They're starting to get some backlash because they take a cut on some of these games. And it seems to be really good for independent games or – you know, finding older games that might be on sale, but I'm starting to see that backlash or pull away from Steam. I think EA might not be. EA makes Call of Duty, or is it mm-hmm. no? Or it's Battlefield. One Battlefield, of those. yeah. Battlefield. I think it might be uh, Battlefield that they're not going to put onto Steam. One of the one of the big games that are coming out this fall, they're talking about not even adding onto Steam. So that's kind of upsetting me, but I think they're just trying to get more money. Yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting. The, <laughs> it's the all other about game, the money. it's all about the money. So another game that we've I've seen recently that has has dropped something onto the website is Might and Magic Heroes Kingdoms. Now Might and Magic has a, a wonderful. Well, I think they're on version six that is coming out. Heroes of Might and Magic, and that's coming out uh, in September. Mm-hmm. And now they have this MMO that's online, just like Age of Empires. And so they're dropping it out onto the website, and it looks pretty complex. It looks like a pretty detailed um, simulation, you know, like a civilization builder. Yeah. Uh, the graphics look very nice. Uh, I'm, you know, we've seen Civ World drop onto Facebook. Age of Empires is now online. Now the education angle on this, uh, the games and learning angle <laughs> on this, mm-hmm. is that it's all web-based. Yeah. There's nothing to install. Just huge for districts. I mean, because then it's just that, a matter of unblocking. Right. So yeah. you can unblock it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious of bandwidth and such, but it doesn't look very complex. Um, and most of that's going to be on their side. You know, their servers doing all the calculations. It's just transferring that information onto my onto my screen mm-hmm. through the bandwidth. So it's. This might be an angle for education, or at least school districts, to add some of these games. So, you know, I'm wondering. I know Civilization has their added onto you know Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if they're starting to look at doing an online version just like this. That'd be neat. Um, I don't know. It depends on how married they are to the to the Facebook ecosystem and, and that um, you know that system for managing their microtransactions and all that. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about civilization in a little bit because. Yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. So P- PC, I guess PC gaming going to the web and creating online um, MMOs or online games that are a little bit more complex than just basic flash-based games. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're seeing here. So, what's uh, another game that's coming out 
that has a pre-order. What's what's that one, Lucas? Well, Star Wars: The Old Republic, which a lot of MMO players and Star Wars fans are are watching very closely, um, is now available for pre-order, and that's very interesting because it's been sort of um, a, sort of an unknown as to when the release date would be, whether it would be uh, fourth quarter of 2011 or, or early in 2012. Um, you know, still speculation because they don't have a set release date, yet they're, it's interesting they're offering opportunity to pre-order. And what's interesting about the way that they're doing it is they're allowing you to do, um, you know, either buy a box version of it or do digital download. And... Um, you, obviously, you can't download it yet, but your opportunity to get early Head Start play before it kind of opens to the masses is going to be determined by how quickly you get in line and get your pre-order in. So if you were to pre-order today, um, you know, just say the standard digital download version, and you did that at, say, 12, 16, um, and I were to download or, or do the pre-order at 4 o'clock this afternoon, um, you would get in before I would get in um, and begin to start playing. Um, so they, they apparently they're going to limit it somewhat. Um, very, uh, This game is going to be um, one to watch, no doubt, because it's got the backing of um, Electronic Arts and uh, developed by BioWare, and BioWare knows how to make games. Um, and whether- Lucas... Yes, and and of course, then the the whole Star Wars universe and mythos and all that, and it's based in um, a Star Wars um, you know lore and, and situation that I think you can do a lot more with, and has a lot more potential, and obviously has a um, single player game that is solid. You know, the um, Knights of the Old Republic is a, oh, it's wonderful. A just you know, is a very solid game. So, kind of based around that. Um, I, I was hearing, and I don't remember the actual numbers, but the um, the number of hours of of gameplay time per class in the game is huge. And they're doing some really interesting things developmentally with this game um, that are kind of unique, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with lots and lots of voiceover. Um, and then the opportunity to really kind of change the path that you take in the game based off of group questing. Sounds very interesting. I don't, I don't know enough about it, so I don't want to talk about it a whole lot without right. knowing, um, but it looks like um, if you're questing as a group and you encounter a, a, a computer-controlled character and he gives you some options, the group gets some option to vote on the outcome of like how you respond mm. to them, and which could change um, everything for, for how the game plays, so that's going to mm. be really neat. The graphics are great, the sound is probably going to be you know awesome, in that kind of John Williams-style music oh, yeah. and all that, so... I will see. Um, I'm, you know, I'm. I have learned to be very cautious with MMOs because I've so, too many times I've I've jumped at you know the head start pre order you know get in line sign up for the beta kind of thing and have just been let down. Um, you know, a lot of things promising to be World of Warcraft killers and um, and nothing's really, in, in my opinion, has really competed yet. Um, and I don't know I don't know how they can. So this is going to be interesting to see if Star Wars. Um, can do that well and that's that's what i've said for a while is that this could be the game because you use world of warcraft for education purposes Mm -hmm. this is one that has a possibility of doing the same type of thing there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mmos out there that it's just it's not it just doesn't fit right yeah it's not you know it's too gory 
or the storylines are too it's just not appropriate for you know the classroom mm-hmm. Emma uh, you know World of Warcraft you know it's it's a little bit on the edge but yeah. it's not it's not it's not that bad right it's really not that bad this one has the potential of being fitting in that into that category and be possi- possibly being able to be used in in the classroom now one thing that bothers me here is that the first little tile that they have on the website says um, what is it here it says pre-order the old republic now to gain early game access i go to the last tile the screen and says sign up now for a chance to test the game <laughs> so it's it's one of those things that uh, not everybody that sign you know pre-orders is going to have access to the beta yeah. Does that sound right? Well, and, and I think, but I think that beta is going to be different from Head Start, or at least okay. I, I'm assuming based off of my experiences with things like. Um, so Head Start's like an alpha. Yeah. Well, no. Um, it means that it it would I guess technically be oh, in beta, but you just get to start playing the game on Earlier. a particular server before yeah. it goes like launch yes. live. Okay. So that usually it happens about a week or, yeah. or two weeks before the game actually launches. Yeah. Okay. So that that makes sense. So this is yeah, this is definitely one to keep an eye on to watch. I have a funny feeling that um, you know my best friend Justin and I will probably be jumping onto this one and, and testing it out. So I'm I'm very hopeful, especially because the single player version, you know, Knights of the Old Republic was such a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping, <laughs> just hoping <laughs> that there's something good there. So, okay, so Star Wars, uh, got that taken care of. That's off our checklist. Okay, update on Civ World. Impressions, Lucas. <laughs> well, okay. Um, honest impressions. Um, I, I'm, I'm still suffering from uh, video game um, attention deficit right now. So I'm, I'm playing lots of different things. Um, I've actually gone back and, and started picking back up and, and getting back into World of Warcraft, leveling a, a mage, Worgen mage now, and enjoying that. Um, the, um, so, so I'm bouncing around between a lot of different games. So I have not focused and gone deep with it. If it were the only game available to me right now and I didn't have a million games on Xbox, and on the iPad and on other things that I was trying to play, you know, okay, I could, I might could give a better review. But first impressions, um, it is very Farmville-like. Um, I don't mind that so much. I, I, I could have room in my life for a Farmville-style game. Um, but I, I think to be successful, to really feel competitive and like you could win... In it, you really need to get together with a group of friends and all play together as a nation and and make very strategic, collectively strategic, you know, decisions. Um, in the two games that I have been involved in, um, that has I've just joined a, what looked like a good open nation, started playing there. Some folks have tried to get people to move in a certain direction, and to the extent that I can, I've tried to help out. Um, the mini games are, frankly, they're cheesy. Um, you know the the whole thing about um, doing like the trade route thing and uh, mm-hmm. uncovering the picture to do art and the maze for science. Um, very cheesy. It is um, cheesy. I, I'm I'm kind of you know disappointed. Just is to be is frank. Would you say Farmville is uh, when compared to Civ World? 
Farmville seems smooth. Oh, I'm I'm sure it is, and I, I'll, I'm very proud to say, because I'll eat these words at some point. I'm sure that I've never played Farmville. Okay, so yeah, it's 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 <laughs> one I've of those things. It. Yeah, yeah, it, it's I I'd say it's smooth compared to the Civ World seems rugged. It's it still doesn't seem it seems like it's still almost beta. Oh yeah, well, te- and and from a te- tech, that's a whole other issue. Um, just the game, one them having issues with their servers. Uh, yes. The game is very choppy, even on yes. our end machines, and it's yes. like, oh, this is a web-based game. Why is this happening? Yeah, it's it's not our end; it's theirs. Yeah, um, and so that that has added to the frustration of just what what it is as the game. Um, in in certain screens and and views, I'm just not very polished looking. It, it looks rough. And um, and then I also get the impression that the folks who are willing to sink money into the microtransactions will actually have a leg up in the game. I don't know if that's yeah. actually true, but it yeah. looks to me like I could spend money, real-life money, to right. be able to do things that would help my team. And I right. I don't have a problem with transactions, microtransactions in a game for cosmetic sorts of things, like, oh, right. I, I look different, or I look cool, or whatever. But, but not advantage. Nothing that should affect gameplay, and it looks yeah. to me like they could, that the microtransaction in this game could affect gameplay. And I don't think I'm that not it, spending money on this. I, I, I don't... It's hard for me to even say this, because I'm not a Civilization Revolution fan. Mm-hmm. It's very simplistic to me, mm-hmm. but it's... That seems more polished than... Than what Civ World is. <laughs> well, I think we've talked so, about that. I, I like Civilization, Civilization Revolution yeah, for, for the very basics of the Civilization yes. format. Yeah. Um, and, I bought it on sale. It, I think it's still on sale. On it's still quite expensive for. I mean, it was like twelve ninety nine. I got it for like six ninety nine mm-hmm. uh, just recently. So if people are looking to buy it and put it on their iPad or you know, it, yeah. iPads six ninety nine. So yeah. just to let you know. And it is, it, and it's it's good for what you have to take it for what it is. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can't have a lot of expectation there. Um, but this game, Civ World, does not seem like Civilization much to me, other than it's just a like a Civilization themed yeah. style game. Um, I, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm sad to see Sid Meier's name attached to it at this point. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, sorry, I'm Sid. With you. If you're listening out there. <laughs> Very disappointing, and you know what? He's probably he's probably laughing to the bank. But no, I, I, I don't know. Here's the thing: I don't think it's made for us. No, Mm-mm. I don't, and that and that's probably where I think our dis- disappointment comes from. Is that yeah. it's not really made for us? I think his real roots go to the PC version, and even back to the board game version. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he's a pretty complex individual and, and thought. You know his thought process. So I think this is, I think this is his version of, of Farmville, mm-hmm. and dropping it out there and opening it up to others. I'm sure there's going to be people that play Civ World and will say, you know what, I want to try Civilization Revolution or I want to try Civilization Five. Yeah, and go from there. I, I hope that's the case. I hope it's it serves as a gateway <laughs> to those sorts <laughs> of things. I'm not, I'm not sure that it will, um, yeah. but but I hope that somebody generates some interest. And um, yeah, but but I still can't imagine someone who who is new getting into Civ World, getting like, oh, this is a great game, and then picking up, oh, here's a Civilization game at, at Walmart, Civilization Five. Well, that looks cool. I'll try that. I can't imagine them liking Civ Five if they really like like Civ World for what it's. I tell you what, because you talk about a complexity jump. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now Civ 
between sub four and sub five, I still give it's it's almost it's almost getting tough now. It's for classroom use, sub four, you know, is for me is the way to go because it's it's easier to load on machines. Mm-hmm. It's not as it's not as cumbersome on a machine. It doesn't require as much hardware. Um, you know, uh, the hardware specs don't have to be as high. Mm-hmm. Civ five can really, you know, bog down your machine. It's it's very in- intensive, and but I would say now, if just playing the game, just playing with friends, um, Civ five is is getting much better. And we we have it in the notes. It's they released a uh, as they call it a ginormous update. See, I think there was a newer one. This says December 15th, so I'm wondering if there was... I think there was another update, but I guess the most recent updates have been um, for the AI. Mm-hmm. And that's been huge, because the AI has been horrible. And so, recently I've I've played this, uh, this game with some friends, and it just seems to run a little bit smoother. And it just... It's just a little bit nicer. There's some things in this game. I love the hexagons. Mm, that's uh, cool. I love I was being, curious about that. Yeah, I love having the ability to, to move around. In Civilization Four, you always needed to make sure you defended your, you know, uh, your cities. Uh, and in this game, cities can protect themselves, so it gives you more options to move around. You don't necessarily need to have somebody in in your city. You can buy land uh, instead of having it grow out mm-hmm. on its own, which you know it does happen. But you can also purchase land around you, and then being able to attack from, um, you know, two hexagons away or further is is kind of huge. And you can only have one military, um, you know, you can only have one military unit per hexagon. Oh, so wow. that the strategy has tra- changed dramatically in that. So it's there's a lot of changes that have 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 happened. Uh, in these last few updates, and it's turning into a more enjoyable game. So it does move very, at the beginning, it's still, I don't know what it is, it still bugs me, it doesn't move very quickly, and I think it's because Civilization Four. if you got, if you place your city in the in a really nice spot, man, you could fly through development. Yeah, yeah. Building up, and it just seems to take a very long time to get things rolling. That's... That's kind of that's my frustration with the game itself, but overall, it's the updates have been have been very good. So cool. it's still right now, I'd say Civilization Five for the classroom, not a good choice. Civilization Four is still your choice. It's still and cheap too. <laughs> it's still you can get. I think I got at least, at least through Steam. I got Civilization Four complete for twenty dollars. Wow. That, that's not so, bad. So yeah, that's not bad. So and you know I'm going to be able to have I have some access to computers a little bit more computers this year, uh, more devices in my classroom. So I'm I'm going to be using this uh, even more this year. I I barely used it last year and I was very frustrated. Mm-hmm. And this year I think I'm going to be able to do it a little bit more. But it's that I'm really trying to move into a, a quest based or problem solving. Yeah. Uh, for my soul studies class, and I think this will help out a lot. And I, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but the students said, especially in sixth grade soul studies, for for me, it's ancient civilizations, how civilizations grow. The kids that play this game and understand the game do far better in soul studies. And it, maybe it's because those kids are interested in soul studies in the first place, mm-hmm. so they have the love for it. But 
the kids that play this game seem to have a better understanding of how civilizations are created and just a general sense of the social studies, you know, standards and goals uh, than other students. I, I've seen the, I've seen the correlation. I've seen, I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. it out over the years. It's a great game. It's That's a lot of fun. Even even the girls like to play it. Of course. Um, Zach, let me ask you a question because I'm sitting here looking at the um, I did a search on Amazon for Civilization Four. Now, would <laughs> you or would you not recommend buying just the base game without the expansions? You can you can buy the base game because it is listed like, for on Amazon right now for two dollars and eighty eight cents. Yeah, and, well, and, and you that's can equip Amazon. That's probably from yeah. Like, it's, it's through um, Game Tendo, which I'm not familiar with them, and it, it does have a four, almost four dollars shipping. Um, but still, I mean, you could you could equip a lab fairly yeah. cheaply with this game. That's that's yeah. awesome. That it's there are yeah. I mean, you're gonna get the basics. With that, and that's fine. I I don't know. I've I've played it so often, and and the different there's more random events uh-huh. that happen in the the last version, which was Beyond the Sword. Well, actually, it's co- colonization, but that's not a that's a that's a strange one. <laughs> but that was a weird addition. But Beyond the Sword has some random events, uh-huh. and there's some economics in there that are. That are really interesting, but the random events I think are pretty cool. You know, you could have a tsunami, earthquake, or something like that. You know, something happen mm-hmm. uh, within your civilization, and those random events, I, I kind of, I kind of like them because that's more real life. Um, but the earlier, the original civilization's great. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I think they're selling Civilization Complete, um, the full version. Are you seeing prices for that? Yeah, um, here it's listed. You can buy it new for for twenty five ninety seven. Okay. So if you want to buy it through Amazon instead of Steam or something, and that would actually get you like the a physical disc, I think. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's the mods or scenarios that are on Warlords and Beyond the Sword mm-hmm. give you a wider variety of simulations to play. That's cool. So I think it's um, just going off the top of my head because I have it all. So I don't. It's I think the Beyond the Sword has one for Mesopotamia, okay. and it gives you different. It gives you more leaders to use. Mm-hmm. So that's since I teach world, you know, world civilizations. It's nice to have different types of um, different leaders from different eras. Yeah, just makes it easier for me. So for world civilizations, yes, that that works out very well. That's cool. Beyond the Sword. So yeah, it's it's. I I bet you could probably find. Even well, I bet you could find it a little less expensive than the twenty-five, but that's still mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, it is. I mean, but, just, and they even have a Mac version. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that down the list here. That's that's impressive. So if you're just yeah. a Mac district, you could definitely yeah. um, start that up as well. Yes, you could. Okay, so one last thing that I wanted to add this week, and it's it's not a game, but I think most of us out there um, that play games like what we do. Um, Probably enjoy Tolkien, and mm-hmm. one of the one person that I follow on Twitter is uh, the Tolkien Professor, and he uh, he and several others have put together an online institute for Tolkien studies. So it's called Mythgard Institute, and they have several classes that they are offering online. So you can apply for uh, master's credit and. Uh, and take classes on Tolkien. So I, I, 
that's pretty exciting. I already have my masters, mm-hmm. but you know, it'd be one of those things. Depending on the price, getting you know, moving up the ladder on on my uh, masters plus whatever classes that I take. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll put the website on there, but it looks very cool. And also, the Tolkien Professor has podcasts uh, within iTunes and mm-hmm. has tons of different lectures on there from all different angles of of literature. So I think one of the Let's see, one of the fall courses, I think it has a picture here. It looks like Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> it has like Normans and things like that. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so it's very cool stuff. Well, anything else that you want to add, Lucas? Oh, no. Um, just, um, you know, just want a, another plug for 3D Game Lab. Um, yes, please. Uh, do. I've, I've been um, working, doing development uh, for our, our fall. Institute for Teachers, and uh, that tool is absolutely amazing. Um, it just, it, it is, it's actually fun to develop um, in that. So I'm, I'm really excited about what that potential that it's going to offer for um, the classroom use, um, and, and when it becomes open to, to everyone, uh, hopefully in the fall, I think. Um, that's just going to be huge, so um, very excited about that. this would be offered, it would go out of beta, and be offered out to everybody this fall? I think so. Um, don't You're not, I'm not going to hold you to it. Yeah, don't hold me to that. It's not me. At least it's probably listening going, what? Did what? Shut up, Lucas? <laughs> Lisa and Chris are like, no. Um, oh. But I, I don't know um, for, for sure. But I, I think it, it's going to be in the in the foreseeable, in, in the near future, I think. Um, and so that's, that's going to be great um, because as a platform, um, it's just they've really – covered a lot of bases, if not all the bases, um, for really sort of taking um, the classroom instruction and applying a game layer to it, and that's really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Right now I'm actually uh, mapping out what it's going to look like to, to take our World of Warcraft curriculum that we developed and transfer it into that system. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, um, but what's because for me, um, a challenging thing, and, and it's just overcoming years and years of conditioning uh, through my own education, is really trying to break out of a linear thinking um, uh, as far as instructional design goes and looking at things from uh, like a tree-based format so students can kind of follow their own interests within a course. Um, and so the system, it, it really is going to allow for that. Um, but taking our existing course, it's somewhat linear, um, not entirely linear, um, and adapting it for that is going to be a challenge, but it's going to be a fun challenge. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and and I know we, we need to add your links. We need to make sure we add your links on to the show notes mm-hmm. uh, on the wiki, but I know that you are talking about, if you haven't already added your curriculum that's connected to the North Carolina State Standards, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the Common, and the National Common Core as well. National Common Core. Okay, so for language arts. Right. Right, and so that uh, is that already out there, or is that it's going to be out added? there? We released it uh, June. I think it's, oh, I've got it right here. June seventeenth, uh, right wow. before we went to ISTE, and um, it's a PDF. It's in PDF format because I decided. <laughs> How many pages, Lucas? Two hundred and ninety-seven oh pages. Goodness I couldn't do three more to get three hundred. I just uh. used to do it. Um, but two hundred ninety-seven pages. Um, it it really. Um, if you 
are an educator out there and you think that you could even remotely consider using World of Warcraft in the classroom or as an after-school program, as a as a librarian or whatever, but you need that curricular connection, please download it. It's completely free, and we encourage you to use it. But but please let us know that you're using it because, <laughs> um, yes. because that's just exciting. Um, and, and I would love for you, if you're a school that's um, considering this, I'd love for your students to be able to connect in with the, the larger family that's growing around this. We have, um, you know, Peggy Sheehy School in, in New York right. at Suffern Middle. We've got two schools, maybe a third, I can't remember, um, in Seminole County, Florida, and then Cape Fear Middle. We're going to look to expand this in our district this year because um, our administration is just, they're really excited about what's going on with it. Um, and so we're looking to expand it, hopefully, to another school, maybe maybe this year um, in our district. But the cool thing about these virtual world game environments is that it allows our students to play and connect with other students doing the same right. kind of thing. So right. our kids could be playing with the kids from Florida and New York and maybe Australia or wherever. They could all play together in the same guild and have shared ownership and leadership within that guild. This is the potential so cool. So. Now- this you have curriculum. this outlined. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say this curriculum. So in this guide, this this 297 page tome, um, <laughs> of, <laughs> which represents a lot of sacrifice Saturdays, um, mm. it it um, it really has, I think, everything you need to get started. It, it has everything from the rationale to the technical information, and then of course all of the lessons and everything that we use, um, and notes for instructors about how to think about some of the lessons um, that we put in there and the of course, the the, um, the common core alignments and things like that. If if you download this and there's something, there's a hole or there's something missing, then please contact me um, and let's let's Skype, chat, talk, email, something, um, because um, I can always make revisions to it, and I'd love to help you fill in the blanks. If now, does this have? I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, North Carolina, you have to be at a certain point within the standards by a certain time frame. Um, is that outlined pretty, or is that... Be- no, well, we, we're not, um, this is not designed to be um, like on a, like a full pacing guide type okay. situation. Yeah. Um, and so in North Carolina, you still have, um, you know, most teachers still have the, the uh, liberty to sort of um, chart their own progress through the standard course study. You have to, you have to address all of the components okay. of course study, but sometimes the order in which you do those things um, is up to you. Now, a lot of districts um, are, are you know making moves to sort of standardize that to, to help. It actually is a good way to kind of keep people um, you know connected to each other and and able to share ideas and stuff by keeping everybody on the same pace. Right. But you know, th- and this is designed as a supplement. Um, I it it could arguably used arguably be used as a, as a full. It just as your language arts course, um, it, it would probably need a little tweaking and modification to make sure that you hit all of the standards, uh, which I don't think would be difficult. Um, it, but it would take somebody who's a little more knowledgeable than I am um, about um, middle grade language arts to do that. But um, it, it's certainly doable. Um, and it's designed as a as a supplement. So if you're wanting to run it as an after school program or a club, um, but you you need some curriculum, um, here it is. It's and it's free. Yeah. And it's aligned. And it's aligned. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, it sounds awesome. I'm going to, um, yeah, that should be some light reading. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I might have to download that for the iPad. Well, it it you can watch PDF. it in P- Yeah, it's it actually go. looks kind of nice on that screen. There you go. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer Podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week.